Hey, what's up guys? So, this is week five. Can't believe we've made it this far with all the craziness that's gone down and, you know, breakdowns and whatnot. I'm surprised. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of cool to see that we've gotten this far. Uh, this week is kind of a special week because I've got a friend here, uh, Rebecca Reyes. She apparently has her own past with separation and dealing with loved and lost and whatnot. So, yeah, brought her on to go uh, answer some questions and things like that. But, yeah, I'm going to give her some time to introduce herself and, I guess, go over who she is and why she is that way. And then we'll just kind of ask some questions. Okay, yeah. So, the basic. Uh, been divorced for a little over two and a half years now. I was married for seven it was not a bad time. It really wasn't. It, but we realized, Meg's husband realized about midway through our marriage that he had disassociated so much of himself that he didn't realize he was gay until about halfway through after his father had passed away, who was a very influential part of his life. So once he had done that, or his father had passed away, with, within time, within the next year, I think he had realized he was gay. And then he tried to kind of figure it out. Then once he realized he couldn't, he came out to me. And he and I tried to make it work for a few months. And we both just saw that wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't going to be healthy. It wasn't going to be happy. I think there would have been some sort of regret and lots of baggage that just shouldn't be in a marriage. So we came to the conclusion that especially for our daughter, she was five at the time, how oh, it was nice. best okay. to get a divorce. Yes, so had a kid and everything. We That's did crazy. have a kid and everything, yeah. Good to know, good to know. Did you say your husband came out as gay, right? He did, yeah. Is he single or? He has a boyfriend. They have been dating, I think they started dating about two months after yeah. our divorce, so. Hoping to see if there was some <laughs> chemistry, but. That's fine. Uh, no, you're out Sounds of luck, like man. He's in a committed relationship. They've moved cool. in together. They have a house Getting together. Used to being lonely. It's fine. I'll get. <laughs> I'll get through it. That's what we're doing. Nah, he's not your type. You're fine. He's not my type. <laughs> yeah, he probably likes successful people, doesn't he? <laughs> Something like it. that. You like would. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, most of what I do on this podcast is just I don't know help people go through and talk about what it is to just handle and sort of muscle through the day-to-day and so when you think back to you know when you guys were first divorced obviously there's a major transition that goes from there right you guys are like living together day-to-day and stuff like that and how did that change in terms of like emotionally and just how you looked at life when that separation happened I think one of the hardest things to get used to at first was learning to sleep alone that was so stupid hard I, I mean, I'm one of those people, um, like, I'll, I'll give you a space in the bed if you want it, but I need at least something touching my person, whether it's my foot, my hand, just for a little bit. It just helps me to fall asleep. <clears throat> Excuse me. Those little rice hop pads, they don't do it for you. Like, it has to be an actual, <laughs> like, a human being there, right? Or... Yeah, no, I hate the pillows. Uh, okay. Don't, don't okay. like them. Gotcha, gotcha. So, no, yeah. So that was really hard for me, learning to sleep by myself. I really didn't sleep very well for the first year. And eventually, I was able to. But that was hard. That was really hard because when you do something like sleep together, 
I mean, other than like the intimacy part, but there's a different type of intimacy with just having somebody there that you knowing that's your person, someone who's committed to you enough to spend that sort of time and devote that much attention to you. So when you realize that is that's gone true. That's true. and like you live your day trying to forget everything that just happened and then you go to bed at night and realize it's still there it's still true and everything that happened happened oh my gosh no that i totally understand that and like i've been there i remember oh gosh it was probably a matter of months where i could only sleep on one side of the bed you know i still only sleep like, on one side of the bed are you serious I you still, still do it i still oh do my it gosh, that's crazy <laughs> i mean i finally pushed myself to actually like all right let's let's take the middle let's take that leap of faith yeah but seriously, that's what you get used to. And yeah, I don't know. For me, I almost felt guilty going onto the other side of that, you know, because it was almost like their space and you didn't want to invade their space or be in trouble if yeah. they came back. It and just feels weird. And a part yeah. of me Taking is there, like yeah. saving it because I would love to get married again someday. I okay. have faith that it can work out because not everyone I meet is going to be gay. Right, no offense right. to the ex husband. <laughs> I was like, but. That's the hope. And so part of me almost intentionally does it. Yeah, absolutely right. (laughs) So I I unintentionally (laughs) leave that spot open because I have faith that someone is going to be in the bed with me again someday. I like that. That's actually really impressive. That is something I do because I do not, I refuse to let that go because I know there's someone else out there for me. That's crazy. I wonder how it is with other people, whether there's a good amount that feel that same way, right? Where they just keep that side open and sort of, like you said, sort of save it. Yeah, it's kind of metaphorical, you know. Right, because there's right. so many people I know that just, they love the entire bed. There's so many I people say, I know who to those don't people. sleep with their spouses, which I don't understand. I mean, yeah, that's weird. It is weird. I I can't do that. Married. But <laughs> it's like a friend's that's thing. what I'm saying. But it was like a contagious thing. <laughs> like they have disease. They didn't know about it until then. They got married. They didn't they realize that like, well, body warmth that wasn't for them. This is thing that body warmth wasn't for them. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm cold. I like it that Basically, way. Basically, yeah. All right. I like it. So what kept you going through all of that? Um, like you said, obviously it was a very hard transition and still even affects you, you know, two, three years afterwards. So what, I guess, motivated you or gave you that hope to sort of go through the day-to-day or, or to keep going through the day-to-day? Yeah, I mean, I'm a religious person, so that obviously plays a huge role. Having faith in God and the man upstairs, knowing that he loves me, and if I do the best I can with my life, that's going to help a ton. Valhalla, all that jazz. (laughs) It's good stuff. You know, praise Jesus. So, (laughs) but, uh, I mean, there's therapy. That kept my brain where it needed to go. Knowing that the things that were happening to me were normal. Like, I pulled this up because I always forget, like, the phrases or the, the steps of the grief cycle. So knowing when I was going through the phrases of denial, it's like, oh, that's okay. It's normal to think this isn't happening, even though it so obviously like, is. So put a label on it. Yes, it like, because a part of me felt okay. like I, like I was that. going crazy a little bit, especially when I hit, because there's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, especially when the bargaining happened. Yeah. I'm just like, well, if I had done this and if I had done that, or maybe if I could, you know, just the what ifs. Oh, I yeah, sat 100%. in the what ifs forever. In fact, I tried to skip anger to go straight to the what ifs. Because I yeah. really, I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to hit anger. I didn't want to. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I realized he never intentionally hid anything from me. And if he had, 
like so much anger. <laughs> like it would have been so very different. I just realized for me, the honesty was. I know it's very perfect, nice. right? Very nice. We're just trying every day. That's why we still try and go to the hospital every Sunday so we can get better. Oh, it's so, a metaphor. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, I like you're it. with I like me. It. Okay. So. So you're trying not to get angry. Trying not to get angry. You didn't like hide anything or. Because I just hate was being it sleeping angry. Around with other girls or stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah, but. Yeah, I tried so hard to skip that and just go straight to bargaining. But I realized for me, I needed to feel each step or I just wasn't going to get through it. Okay. Because it is normal. I, I didn't want to be normal in that way. I wanted to be like, I don't have to be angry or I don't have to be depressed. Like, I didn't want to have to do those things in there because in general, I don't get very angry and I'm not a very depressed person. But I realized I was holding back a lot of anger and I definitely got depressed. I mean, who wouldn't when you marry someone, you expect that to be your person forever. Okay. And so somehow they weren't. Yeah. It almost sounds like you were trying really hard to sort of have a sense of self-awareness and be aware of like where you are, what your projection is and do everything in your power to sort of, I guess not control that, but sort of guide it in the direction that you're going. In the direction that I wanted but I realized it wasn't where I was going. Okay. Okay. So how did you use that to help your day to day? I mean, did you specifically identify where you were at, like on each day or was that sort of like (laughs) a reflection that you used? A a reflection. Yeah. It definitely had to be, um, each time I kind of like pop in for therapy because I was going every week. Like I don't think, I don't think I could have survived it as well as I did without it. But I think, each week I'd go in and be like, I felt this. She's like, okay, you're in this space. So she walked me through it. Miss Rivka, my therapist, walked me through it. And that's what really helped is just realize, okay, this is normal. This is what's happening. And so when I had that for the following week to reflect on, it was like, okay, this was a normal day, even though my life's falling apart and it didn't feel normal. Like with what's happening is normal, even though what I wanted to happen just wasn't what I expected to be my life. Okay. That makes sense. It honestly takes a lot of just level-headedness and being cool and calm under pressure. Sure, let's go with that, even though it's not saying, how like, I felt at I the time. I don't think a lot of people would take the time to actually be like, okay, well, even though everything feels like it's falling apart, this is, you said normal. I know it's, you know, definitely like yeah. tragic and a transition and stuff like that, but recognizing that it's normal in the sense of like you can get through it, at least that's what I'm picking up from what you're saying. Yeah. I, I don't know. Gives a little bit of hope. Yeah, and I think part of it is the fact that I had a daughter. I realized I had to be okay for her as best as I knew how to be at the time. And I have a job yeah, no, where I'm point. a massage therapist. And you can't gotcha. lose your crap working on that closely with people. You just can't do it. Though I do remember at the can't beginning be like of my... I mean, to say I never cried it would be a lie, but they never knew because and they were face clients? down. They were face down on the table. Oh my gosh! So there were times where you were massaging people and you were and you were just breaking Absolutely. down. Absolutely, yeah. Are you kidding? And there was other times where I had Holy panic attacks cow. as well, from gotcha. from when gotcha. he first came out to me because I that was the whole uncertainty stage. Like because when he first came out, he didn't know if he actually wanted to stay together or not. He was trying to figure it out. It was just and, kind of like. Yeah, decision exactly. And so without knowing what the crap's gonna happen in my future and me having no control about it. I had never experienced panic attacks in my life until then. And there'd be times where I'd be in session, massaging someone, 
I'm freaking out and yet somehow I'm able to keep my body just still enough or I would intentionally move my hand a little bit to make it look like I'm doing a vibration movement and massage to make it seem intentional, even though it absolutely was not. Holy cow. How did you pull that off? Because like, I can't do that. You know, when the panic attacks hit me or yeah, you know, just like a wave of sadness hits and like, I got to take time to break down for mm -hmm. lack of a better word. Dude, I got to leave. Like, I can't, I, I can't sit at my job. Like, survival? I got to take, you know, I think 10, 15 I, I was minutes. in a phase of survival because I think we've talked about this before, um, about how my blue collar job does not allow me to be able to take a month off and get paid. Like, I didn't have that option. I realized yeah, I had, I had to show up. I did not have any other alternative or I wouldn't I mean, get paid. Unless you tried to have another kid and then you could do maternity leave. <laughs> Which my job still doesn't pay for. Where I worked at at the time. They don't pay for that stuff with where I was at. Yeah, you should switch jobs. Eh, except I'm really good at it. At least that's what people tell me. And I really like it. That's what's up. I like so, it. Like, <laughs> I it have, like it. I have my own business now with it. Something to... Which is great. Oh, so that's right. I have that that's flexibility. Right. I like that. So, but... You know, that took a couple years to get to that point. But no, yeah, no, I don't really know how I did it. Other than the fact I just, it's kind of like the diabetic who like, I don't know how you can poke yourself, but they, they do because they have to. And I think that's kind of where I was. Just kind I, of like adapting to the I, situation. Yeah. But I also, you know, I lived with my sister and at the time and she was very supportive I had a really good support system as well of people that just genuinely cared and checked in. And I think that really helped me make yeah. it better as well. I was going to say, how did that work with, um, like your daughter at the time, right? Obviously you guys had her and trying to work out the separation and divorce and stuff like that. I mean, was that difficult at all? Did you have to pull in reinforcements from your family? Did you just kind of have to handle it like by yourself as a divorcing mom? I mean, how did that go? So, if I'm understanding the question correctly, is how did we, like, kind of navigate the whole... Not we, you. How did I navigate the whole yeah. divorce, or I mean, like, we're, exactly? we're talking about you going into your massage parlor and massaging somebody, having those moments where you break down and gotcha. just sort of lose all composure while somebody is literally right there, uh -huh. just inches away from you, and then you don't even go home to your own place or go home to the family gotcha, or something. Gotcha. You're going home to a daughter. How does that work? I mean... Gotcha, gotcha. Um, some days were better than others. <laughs> some days it was still like... there. Some days, like, the anxiety, the uncertainty, the freaking out was still lingering. But other gotcha. days, I don't know. Some days it just was better. Like, I honestly don't really think I did anything in particular. It's more like what people did for me. Um... I definitely, like my best friend at work, when she could tell, she'd come right up to me and just give me a hug. And I've realized for me, hugs are magic. Awesome. They really are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they like a real proper hug. That's not like the whole little, sorry, not everyone can see this who's listening to the podcast. I'm doing this like this little <laughs> light thing with my hand. But when you like yeah, go yeah. up to someone, give them a full on hug, don't have any parts of you lingering. It's just like a full Oh hug. yeah, totally. It's those like a teddy bear, kind of like <laughs> exactly. sink into the beanbag kind of those hug. those do more for me than i ever thought that they could until i got I like a divorce That's smart i think it's because just feeling like somebody cared about me enough to kind of wrap me in their arms and be like okay i'm not alone and i can physically feel that because half the time you're like you're not alone you hear that all the I time like that. right 
But when you get that real I mean, life reassurance, you're like, oh, I really am not alone. So whenever I had people at work who could tell, I just wasn't okay. They would just come up and do that because I'm not big on words. I'm kind of a, I mean, like, obviously you can do things like this, but I, in general, I'm a, let's hope so. I, I don't know. In general, I'm definitely more of a, what the people say that are listening to it. Keep I, going. Keep I going. think more in words than I do out. More of what I think happens in my brain doesn't always make it out of my mouth. And it just kind of stays in there. But I do like to write. So a lot of my extreme emotions I wouldn't be able to process. Sometimes after massages, I would write it out in a poem. Wow. That's impressive. So I have quite a bit of those since I've been divorced. Gotcha. Gotcha. You almost said depressive for a second. I did. Yeah. I did almost say that. When I was depressed is when a lot of those happened. So. They, they, they kind of no, help people. Yeah. Okay, so you definitely got reassurance from people that were around you, like yeah. your best friend giving you a hug, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And you, did you say like the poetry also gave reassurance, or was it, that just more like a mode of process? That was more, I would say, a way to get it out of me, the emotions. It's like I had. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, obviously, people do more like, like the gym and they go for and runs and stuff. Like I would do that too, but I realized that was probably the most effective, was just writing it out. Is that kind of where you let your guard down and everything sort of just got to, like you said, express and come out without a client being there or like without your daughter being there or having to do the masking or anything? Yeah. Actually, now that she's asked me that, I don't think anyone, I mean, there's a few random people that know that I write when that happens. Very special people. Very special people. Uh, But no, yeah, I think so. Because when I sometimes I go back and read them, and I was like, "Dang, Rebecca, that was (laughs) like that was kind of deep, or that was very much vulnerable in those moments." Yeah, probably. Interesting, because that's the thing. I noticed that I do that a lot, Mm -hmm. and for most of the people that I talk to, it is kind of a common thing to we call it masking, right? Sure. Where when you're going through something like this you put on a face to survive to literally just just move on and you know be like a normal person in society you become pros at it exactly we have exactly to. but mm-hmm. you can only do that for so long before yeah. you kind of hit the breaking point and everything just comes out you know yes and i'm glad that you brought up the poetry and the processing because i know for me that's helped me a lot in just that day to day you know, if I don't take that time to actually like express and process whatever it is mm-hmm. that's having me break down or what's going on, I can't really function the next day. It becomes harder and harder to survive. Yeah. I don't know if you feel that same way, but this is just me talking out loud. No, I... Kind of the point of the whole podcast. <laughs> exactly, right? No, I, I'm with you. I, I realized just the other day I hadn't written one in a while, which was kind of nice that I didn't Slacker. feel the need to. Wow. But I also realized on my phone the last time I wrote one was because of how much happiness I had. So the, oh. so the okay. it was different. So instead of it just being like sad or depressed, that changes the things. theme changed. It was like I had so much like positivity in me. I didn't know how to get it out. So it became a poem instead. That's cool. That's really that cool. That was when I realized that. I was like, oh my gosh, look what I did. Because, I was going to say, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, the theme finally changed, and I didn't realize <laughs> that I was going to get there, or that it almost like it was possible for a while. I just thought the only way that I would have so much built-up emotion would be from sadness, and I was like, right, look right. at that. I had a built-up emotion of bliss, and it was kind of great. 
That's actually really cool. I like that. Because, yeah. again, a lot of what we're doing here is just kind of, I guess, putting the journey out there and mm-hmm. letting people be a part of it because, yeah, I don't know if I'm ever get, going to get to that point where I write a happy poem because <laughs> things are still pretty pretty raw, you know? So. Yeah, and I remember that face. I remember thinking that there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Right, right. I was like, well, this is where it ends. So but when I've been divorced two and a half years and very different circumstances, you know, as to why, you know, how you lost your wife and how I lost my husband, but right. very, very different. But again, the grief cycle is the same for everyone and the end yeah, can be the same too. Oh, so crazy. That's kind of cool though. But yeah. yeah, thanks for coming down and just telling us a little bit more about uh, your yeah, story absolutely. and whatnot. Tip of the iceberg. <laughs> right, yeah, no kidding. But yeah, for you know the guys out there and everything, again, I know you guys are doing your best. I appreciate that. Thanks for you know being here and listening to Rebecca and I. Um, yeah, hope you guys have a good week, and we'll see you next time. So.